So did you guys like that guy's mustache? In the last service, I'm like, hey, Melissa, what do you think? What if I did that? And she's like, no. Okay. Like, all right. I guess I, guess I can't pull that off. But, but we are in week two of a series called Gone Fishing. And this series is all about what it means to follow Jesus from the standpoint of reaching other people for Jesus. It's based on a series done many years ago by one of my favorite communicators named Andy Stanley. He's out of uh, North Point in Atlanta. And uh, Clint started us, started us off last week, and he did a great job last week, didn't he? Did you guys enjoy him last week? He was great. Um, and we started last week talking about something that Jesus did when he called his first disciples to follow him. And he said, hey, disciples, if you follow me, I'm going to turn you into something that you're not right now. And if I were to guess, and I was thinking, okay, what would Jesus turn them into? I would think he's going to turn them into holy people. He's going to turn them into religious people. He's going to turn them into really committed and disciplined people, morally pure, uh, super good boys and girls. Like that's what you would think Jesus would turn them into. But what you see is that Jesus actually says, I want you to follow me. And when you follow me, I'm going to turn you into a fisher of men. And they had no idea what that meant. Other than Jesus said, I'll make you into that. Um, they had no interest in that. How could they? Because they were fishermen. And all they knew is if you're a fisherman, what do you do with fish? You get them, you catch them, you kill them, you sell them, or you eat them, right? That's, and so that's like a little weird. So I'm sure they're going, I'm not sure what Jesus means by this, but he's cool and he does cool stuff. So I'm going to follow him, which gets me to this. When I became a Christian, okay, when I said yes to Jesus, it was in my teenage years, um, maybe a little bit before then. Um, but I will tell you, I became a Christian. Very, very simple. I didn't want to go to hell. Okay, that's why I said yes to Jesus. I was at this church in Southeast Texas with my family, with my mom, and uh, this preacher gets up there and he just says, hey, if you don't come forward and accept Jesus, when I say come forward and accept Jesus, you're going to hell, right? And I'm like young and I'm just like, well, I don't want to go to hell. I hear bad stuff about hell. Everybody says it's not a good place. So I went forward. I accepted Jesus. That's just the way it went. Um, I wasn't worried about anybody else. I wasn't thinking about anybody else. It was literally all about me. I wanted fire insurance. That's what I did. Um, and, and chances are, Chances are, if you are a Christian, when you became a Christian, when you accepted Jesus, um, it, you weren't thinking about anybody else. It was all about you as well, because that's how all of us come to Jesus. You said, God, help me. God, give me. God, save me. And, and, and it's normal to come to Christ thinking and asking, what's in it for me? But then Jesus says to us, and he says to the first four guys that he called to be disciples, he says, he, Clint said it last week, he's like, hey, come follow me, because to follow means to fish. To follow means to fish, because followers do something, they fish. Followers reach out and fish for people and bring them into relationship with Jesus. That is what followers do. Jesus says, look, I am not going to bring you into my family just to make you a better person, a better father, mother, brother, sister, aunt, uncle. Um, I'm not going to make you financially secure. That's not why I'm bringing you in. Those things might happen. But primarily, I'm going to teach you to fish. I'm going to help you become a person that brings other people to me. I'm going to use you, and I'm going to want you to actually talk about me out loud. I'm going to actually ask you to say things to other people. I'm going to bring you to the place where you're going to bring other people to me. And I know some of us were kind of like, okay, time out. Time out, not into that. 
didn't sign up for that, don't want to do that. Remember, this is fire insurance, not anything else. So, so just time out. I, I want to be a better person. I want to go to heaven when I die. I want to be a good parent, father, mother, uh, son, daughter, coworker, friend, but, but talk about it. The last thing I want to do is talk about it and let other people know what I believe. So why fish? Why, why can't we just let everybody else believe what they want to believe? Why can't we just let everybody believe whatever religion they want to believe and it'll work out in the end um, and hope for the best? Like you be your religion, I'll be mine and everybody's happy. We don't need to tell other people what we believe. Why bother people with what I believe anyways? Most other religions don't. Most Christians don't. Um, they don't go tell other people what to believe. So why not leave well enough alone and, and you lead your family, I'll lead my family um, and, 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 and we'll just go our separate way. We'll hope for the best. Why bother? Why fish? Well, I want to give you three answers to why you and I, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, fish. Why talk about what we believe? Why talk about our faith? Why be bold enough to bring it up in the presence of other people that might not believe what we believe? Why tell people about Jesus? And I want to answer, I want to answer that, that question for two different kinds of people. And one kind of person is if you're a Christian here and you just think maybe, you know, we should just keep our beliefs to ourselves and our thoughts about Jesus to ourselves. I want you to hear um, what, I'm, what I want to say today because to, fo to follow is to fish. Jesus' desire for your life is to make you a fisher of people, not just a prayer of prayers and a tender of services and a doer of good deeds. That is not his hopeful outcome for your life. So um, I'm excited for you to hear what we're going to talk about today. But this also, I want to answer that question for people um, that are not Christians. And you're just saying, man, if you're trying to sell me on this idea, I'm out. Like, like time out? No, I'm out. I do not want anything to do with telling anybody about what I believe. I have talked to Christians, and Christians are weird. I'm not going to become one. I've had those conversations that just were awkward and difficult, and they're yelling at me and screaming at me. And heck no, if I become a Christian, I would never say anything to anybody because of my past experience experiences, well, I just want to say this. I'm glad you're here because you're going you're gonna to hear the uniqueness of the message of Jesus today. And hopefully you're going to hear it in a way that is going to allow you to maybe even talk about it in a non-weird way. But still, you probably think like other cultures do that all religions lead to God. Even though they have different names and nationalities, all the religions are basically the same. They lead to the same place. Most people believe that in our world and in our culture. Well, today, um, what you're going to discover is that that's not the case. That's not the truth when it comes to Christianity. All religions don't go to the same place. They don't all work out in the end the same way. And, and it's going to be very clear by the end of the day um, what's different about Christianity. And I'll just tell you this, even if you never choose to become a follower of Jesus, because we know statistically and based on, um, based on some surveys we've done that we've got people here that haven't crossed the line of faith in Jesus. Um, if you never choose to become a Christian, uh, at least you'll understand why we as the church and, and us as Jesus' followers continue to tell the world about Jesus, continue to tell people about Jesus, why we're not content to just let everybody believe what they believe and hope it all works out in the end, and why we feel this compulsion to tell people about Jesus. So let me pray for us before we dive into the story we're going to talk about today. Uh, Lord, thank you for today. Um, God, you have brought every single one of us into this room for a very specific purpose, and Lord, I pray that by the time this service is over, that every one of us would know why we're here.
why we're in this room, why you wanted this message to be spoken in our presence. And so, Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds in a very specific way, Father, and I pray that you would speak to each one of us exactly what we need to hear. Lord, only you can do that. Only you can take one message but, but split it into enough parts that it will heat, hit, just hit each one of us in our hearts exactly like you want it to. And so, God, I just ask that you would fill this room with your presence, allow us to set down any distractions that we brought in here with us and help us to just hear your voice loud and clear in your holy name. Amen. All right, so um, the way we're going to answer the question, why fish, um, is we're going to look at something that happened to two disciples, Peter and John. Um, Peter was the lead disciple of, of Jesus's, and John was like a close second or third. Uh, and what happened in the story we're going to look at today, um, it happened after Jesus died on the cross, after he rose from the dead, after he spent 40 days spending time with people, allowing people to see. Over 500 people saw him alive, and then he ascended into heaven. The story we're looking at is found in the book of of Acts, A-C-T-S, Acts. It's the fifth book of the New Testament after the Gospels, which tell the story of Jesus. Acts is short for the Acts of the Apostles. Here's what the guys who followed Jesus on earth did after um, he left earth. It tells us how the church got started and what the disciples did during the time post Jesus being on earth. So in Acts 4, and I'll kind of tell you a bit of the story before I read you a part of it, Peter and John um, were going to the, into the temple, and there in front of the temple was a man who couldn't walk since birth, was begging for money, and he had his cup out there, probably rattling a little bit of change. And when Peter and John walked by, they, he asked them for money. And I don't know uh, about you, but for me, um, that happens from time to time when you're in public, when you're in cities or whatnot. And it's a little awkward, isn't it? Like when you're walking by somebody and they're, uh, they're obviously asking you for money. And I'll tell you why it's awkward for me. Um, I rarely ever have cash on me. Like hardly ever. I hate change. Um, it stays in my car in this little place. Um, I don't carry cash on me. And so I don't know what to do when I'm walking past somebody and it's kind of clear that I can't edge myself over far enough to be out of reach, but I've got to walk by him. There's going to have to be a, a, so, some, some, uh, so at least some type of contact. Um, I, I don't know what to do. Like, do I just bury my head and keep walking? I, I do that sometimes. I'm just going to confess here as a pastor. I just kind of bury my head and walk past. I have nothing. Do I look at them and then it's that awkward, he looks hopeful or she looks hopeful, and I'm like, hmm, keep going. Um, what do I do? Do I stop and talk to them, and I have nothing, and like that's even like worse, because what, what do you say? Um, and so I don't know about you, but Peter and John, they have this moment where they are walking into the temple, and here's this beggar, and Peter, Peter they actually stop to talk to him, and Peter says, hey, look at me, and the man looks up at them, and, uh, and, and, and Peter says, look, silver and gold I do not have for you, and the man goes, dang it. Like, this is not going to be a good day. Like, these guys, they look good. They look like they know what they're doing. They should have had something for me, you know? And so he's just sitting there, and Peter says, I don't have anything for you, but I will give you what I have, what I do have. And then he looks at this guy, and he says, in Jesus' name, get up and walk. And as Bible stories go, and you've maybe heard a number of them, the strength returns to his legs, and suddenly he's standing and the next thing he's doing is he's jumping. 
And then he's running. And then he's screaming at the top of, the, of his lungs in the temple at what had just happened to him. And he's praising God. And he creates this big stir in the temple because everyone knew that this was the guy that has sat outside of the temple for years and years and years begging. And now he's standing and running and jumping and screaming. Huge crowd gathers around. And Peter takes the opportunity to preach an impromptu service with like no notes, no Bible hadn't been written yet, and no screen with words on it. Like he just preaches a message right there and the religious leaders come and start listening to, to him to them teach. And they start hearing him teach in the name that, about Jesus and talking about this, this man named Jesus, and people start to, cru- to start to turn towards Jesus again. Now remember, these were the same religious leaders that killed Jesus, that put him on the cross because they were afraid of him because he had so many followers. And they thought, if we can just kill Jesus, we will squash this whole movement. Like people just quit. They'll go back home and they'll start being quiet. and We can keep our power as the religious leaders. Little did they know that by killing Jesus and then him him raising from the dead three days later, being seen by so many people, they literally poured gasoline on the fire that Jesus had already lit. So they hear Peter and John preaching about Jesus. Acts 4, verse 3, this is their response. They loved what they said so much, they arrested them. And since it was already evening, put them in jail until morning. But many of the people who heard their message believed it. So the number of men who believe now totaled about 5,000. And I was reading that earlier this week, and I'm like, man, how cool is that? When you add in women that believe, let's say that, that, that double, that's the same amount of men believe as, as women, or women believe as men. Um, there were less than, there are 10,000 or less people that believed in Jesus on the planet. How crazy is that? Like there's over 2 billion people today claim to believe in Jesus. At this point, there were like less than 10,000 people that believed in Jesus. And they're talking about this Jesus that's just starting to to gain momentum. And uh, their reward for healing this guy, their reward for giving this guy the gift of like, like legs that work, the ability to run around, Free night in jail, right? Who wouldn't want that? Like, thank you very much. I'm so glad we did that. Um, So they stay the night in jail. The next day, they bring them before the council of rulers. And the council of rulers asked them, by what power or whose name um, have you done this terrible thing, healing this lame man? Like, how dare you do this to this guy? And they're like, wait, wait, this is good, right? No, to them, this is bad. How dare you do this? These guys are masters at missing the point, by the way. Um, But rather than be astounded at this guy, lame since birth walking, they are um, angry because it was done in the name of Jesus. So they bring Peter and John in and say, explain yourselves. And Peter tells them about Jesus and his name and how they did it, and he's alive again again, and he's the only way to be saved from death. And I'm going to read this actual passage in a few minutes. But they're completely baffled by this. And they say, okay, Peter, John, we don't really know what to do with this. So we need you to leave, go out of the room. And they start talking among themselves. What do we do? Well, what they decide is they decide, okay, we can't deny that they've done a miracle because there's the dude, he's walking, everybody knows, but we need to tell him to stop. We need to tell them to like shut it down. So they, they, they bring them back in uh, and they tell them basically, if you don't want to spend another night in jail or worse, stop tweeting about it and get off of Instagram. We don't want to hear about Jesus anymore. We're going to shut you down. Like that's just kind of like they were telling everyone's telling everybody and they're like, just stop it. Like just stop talking about them. Acts 4, 18. They, so they called the apostles back in, commanded them, commanded them, never again speak and teach in the name of Jesus. Never again. Now, This is kind of our culture, isn't it? This is kind of our culture. Hey, you can believe in what you want to believe in. You go to church. You can do your own thing, but quit talking about it. 
Quit asking other people about it. You do your thing. I'm going to do my thing. And hopefully we all end up in the good place, not the bad place. That's kind of our culture. It's like, hey, just, just you keep it to yourself. That's a, that's a personal thing. You keep yourself, I'll keep it to myself. So these religious leaders are like, stop talking about Jesus. Stop using his name to do stuff. You know, it's like they're just, hey, cut it out. Quit using that name and healing people. I mean, ugh, you know, that's what they're thinking in their minds. Don't speak of them. And as if, like, they could just go, la, 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 and it all goes away. But verse 19, but Peter and John replied, so they're told, don't, don't, I command you, don't ever talk about him again. But Peter and John replied, do you think that God wants us to obey you rather than him? Is that what you think? Do you think that we should do what you're telling us to do and not do what God has clearly told us to do, what Jesus had told us to do? And then you get to verse 20, and this is where if you're not a Christian yet, and you're trying to figure out this whole Christian thing, this whole spiritual thing. This is huge. So go ahead and put verse 20 up on the screen. This is what they say. We cannot stop talking about what we believe. Is that what it says? That's not what it says. <laughs> we can't stop telling people about what we think. Did I get it that time? Dang it. Okay. We cannot stop talking about this religious system we've set up, it's not it either. We can't stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. We can't stop talking about what we have seen with our own eyes and heard with our two ears. We have seen something. We didn't go make it up. We didn't go add things to the Old Testament. We didn't scheme and devise and put together a new belief system out of thin air. We did not make this up. The reason we can't shut up is because we've seen something and we've heard something. It's because something happened in history. How can you tell us? to not talk about something that we have seen and heard about something that has happened, that we saw, that we experienced. You can't change the facts of what has happened. Now, here's where this translates to you and me. If you're a Christian and you're someone that says, well, I can't tell anybody about this stuff because what if they ask me a question I can't answer? And I'll just tell you, I have felt that way. I've worried about that. I've heard that for 25 years, doing what I do. People say, I can't talk about Christianity. I don't know enough. What if they ask me something that I can't answer? What if I say something and, they, and, and I can't refute what, it, what they say, like where they, they give me an argument that I've never heard and I don't know how to push back on that? What if, what if I don't know what to say? What if I just screw it up or I just kind of freeze? And I'll just say, let me speak into that for a second because maybe you felt that way before. If you're a follower of Jesus, so often... We think about uh, talking about Jesus, we think it's like about doing a class on comparative religions. We're like, well, I can talk about Jesus, but man, I got to know about Buddhism. I got to know about Mormonism. I got to know about all this stuff. We got to compare all these religions with this person. Or, or we think that, that talking about Jesus is actually getting us into a debate about religious systems or belief systems. And let me just tell you, that is not the case. If that's what you think about when it comes to talking to Jesus, let me just, let me just give you a different perspective. Um, sharing about Christ isn't about having so much knowledge that you can refute the skeptics and talk them down. That was not Peter and John's point. Their point is our point. Christians believe something happened. 
Christians don't believe in a religious system. They don't believe in, in this, this thing they have to like faith on blind faith that they hope it's true. It's belief in something that happened. Christians believe something happened in history, that there was an event that was so huge that you cannot ignore it, ignore it because it literally has become the centerpiece of all human history. It started with a baby in a manger and is steeped in historical evidence, not theory or belief, but something that actually happened. It's not just what the, it's not the Bible tells me so. There is evidence. There is no one that's going to argue with you that Jesus lived on this planet. That is historical fact, that he was crucified, historical fact, the, the, the incredible miracles that he did. It is not just the Bible tells me so. There are secular writings in antiquity that corroborate the story of the Bible, that, that he was seen by over 500 people after everybody saw him crucified in the most gruesome way possible. There's 24,000 manuscripts that are copied within the lifetime of people that were actually with Jesus that just say, this is something that happened. So the question is not, is my belief system better than yours? It's not, is my, is my belief system more airtight than yours? The question is, did something happen? So Peter and John are saying, we have to talk about it. We saw it. We heard it. Which begs the question, what did they see and hear that was so huge that it was cost them to risk their life for it? What did they see and hear that they would say later, even if you put me in prison, I'm still going to talk about it? Where they would say, even if you exile me to an island and I never see another human being again, I will not stop talking about Jesus, which is what happened to John, by the way. He was exiled to the island of Patmos and died there alone. What would cause these guys to suddenly say, even if you crucify me like you did Jesus, I'm still going to talk about him, which is what happened to Peter. Peter was crucified for his belief in Jesus. He would not shut up about Jesus. And they say that uh, scholars believe, and, and they, the history kind of corroborates this, that he was hung upside down because he did not want to be hung like Jesus was. He's like, I'm not worthy of a death like Jesus. What would cause these guys to say, I don't care what you do to me, even death, I'm going to keep talking about it? Well, we find what that was. We find it in a speech, the, the speech that Peter gave to them. Now, I told you the end of the story where they just said, hey, shut up and don't talk about this again. Let me tell you what Peter and John said to them that made them say, shut up and don't talk about this again. So they spend the night in jail. And then Acts 4, verse 5. The next day, the council and all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other relatives of the high priest. Basically, what is being listed there is like, these are all high-powered individuals. They have the power of life or death over you. They can tell you. Uh, they, can, they can give you the sentence. They can sentence you to death. They can put you in prison for life. They can put you on an island. They can crucify you. They're all in this room. They brought in the two disciples and demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, now I want to just pause here for just a second. Um, and again, I'm talking to you Christians and you people that haven't made a decision for Christ yet. You need to hear this because this is really important. That filled with the Holy Spirit peace. Do you know that if you are ever willing to open your mouth and talk about Jesus to somebody, that you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you? If you've accepted Jesus, the, the Holy Spirit lives inside. You have the power of God inside of you. And we are told in Scripture that he will give you the words to say to somebody so that they might understand who Jesus is. So it's like part of it is just, just speaking up. 
because you have the Holy Spirit. God will talk through you to somebody about Jesus. And that's what's happening here. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? And I'm sure he's in the room. They're probably going, are we, are we here? Because like, look, see, hey, can you jump for us? Oh, good. See, is that why we're here? Is this why you brought us here? Do you want to know how he was healed? And this is where they're so bold. Peter says, let me clearly state to all of you and all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene the man you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. And I'm just like, what boldness, right? He's saying Jesus is how we did it. You know, the Jesus Christ you guys killed, the Jesus Christ that you guys wanted to get rid of because you didn't want him to take your power away from you. And they're surrounded by guards and powerful people. And this wasn't like a few years back. This was a few weeks back. This is like, this is fresh. Like the news stories are still circulating about this. Like there's still, there's still some stuff coming across the ticker tape that's, that's telling this story. It's that fresh. And they're just saying, you want to know why we can't be quiet? We can't be quiet because we, like you, saw him crucified. We were there for the event, the historical event. And God, who allowed him to be crucified, raised him from the dead. And me and John over here, we actually saw the empty tomb because we had a race to it. John beat me. He's a little bit lighter than me. I could really like the Twinkies. But he beat me to the tomb, and we saw the empty tomb. There was no body in the tomb. And then we saw Jesus, the one you killed. We saw him alive. He showed up to more than 500 people. You want to know why we can't shut up? You want to know why we're not intimidated by you? You want to know why we're not afraid of death? It's not because we're smart. It's not because of our incredible intellect. It's not um, because of a religious conviction or a belief. It's because of what we saw. It's because of what happened. We saw Jesus crucified. We saw him buried. We saw him. We saw the empty tomb. We saw the risen Savior. That's why we can't be, t- be, be quiet. It's because of something that happened, which brings up the first reason we need to fish. We need to reach out. We need to talk about Jesus Christ. And it's because of this. Christianity is based on an event in history, not a belief system. It's not a belief system that we're peddling. It's an event that happened in history. This is what sets Christianity apart from every other religion out there. It's an event in history that started it. It wasn't some guy in a cave that said he, God showed up in the cave and he wrote down what God said and nobody's ever seen it, can corroborate it, heard it at the same time, but this is what God said. It's not made up by a guy who said he heard from an angel, wrote stuff down on these tablets and then buried them in the ground and nobody's ever seen the tablets, nobody's ever seen the angel, but he says, hey, this is what God says. Um, it's actually based on an event that hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people saw and heard about firsthand. It's different from every other religion out there. So Peter says, <clears throat> says John and I aren't going to stop talking about this. There's nothing you can do to make us stop talking about what we've seen and heard. Verse 12, they go on. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And so this is important. Salvation is found in... Okay, look, go with me here. I might have lulled you to sleep. Every now and then I do that. I'm kind of asleep right now. I'm sorry, I'm just kidding. Um, Salvation is found in no one else. Very important, no one else. Not nothing else because it's not a belief system. It's not a religion that saves us. It's a person. Very specific. It's found in no one else. 
It's only found in a person, Jesus Christ. The way to heaven is not a thing. It's not a belief system. It's a person, Jesus Christ, who lived, was crucified, rose from the dead, and is still alive. There's an empty tomb. His body is not in the tomb. Peter and John are saying, look, this is new information. This is different. Now we're willing to put our lives on the line and die because of what we've seen and heard. They go on. The members of the council, verse 13 were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures like me. They were doofuses, okay? But they were just like, wow, these guys are really speaking with boldness. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who, they had, who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. We have to fish because the message of Jesus is grounded in history, not experience. It's different than every other religion, um, and its main avenue of transferring to someone is from person to person, which brings up the second reason we need to fish. We need to talk about it. Christians need to talk about Jesus is because the message of salvation is not intuitive. This is not an intuitive message. The message of forgiveness is not a message you can go sit under a tree and come up with on your own. You can go sit under a tree, apply your intellect and your mind, and try all on your own to figure all this stuff out, and you'll get part of the way. You can come to the conclusion that there is a God. Most people do. And that maybe he's a good God. Most people get to there. You may arrive at the conclusion that there's good and evil in the world. You might even arrive at there being life after death and some sort of eternity because that's kind of written on our hearts. But the message of salvation through Jesus Christ, that is not intuitive. You're not going to figure that out on your own. You'll never know it or figure it out unless someone tells you. And if no one tells you, you'll arrive at what everyone else has come to uh, as far as religion goes. If you take Christianity out of all other religions, it'll lead you to the same place, okay? And this is what you'll come up with on your own if you take Christianity and Jesus out of the way you think about religion, um, that there's a God. <clears throat> you'll probably figure that out on your own, that he is a good God. You'll probably figure that out, surrounded by good people, and somehow good people connect with the good God. And if you're bad, you'll never connect with the good God, so you better be good, right? That's kind of it. You better be good. You better be good. You can try to do good according to all kinds of religious systems out there. But here's the problem with all the religious systems. None of them can tell you how good is good enough. All of them just go, hope you make it, try hard. Good luck. You'll know when you get there, wherever you're going. That's when you'll know. That's what they all say. They can't tell you Buddhism, Mormonism, Mormonism Islam. Uh, there's dozens of options. There's only one that says there is no other name by which we must be saved. No one has ever made that claim. No one's ever claimed to be the person who saves us. No one's ever done what Jesus did. And you can't arrive at that conclusion that 2,000 years ago, God sent his son, God in the flesh, into the world, and he was crucified for your sins and rose from the dead and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he says that good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. You wouldn't figure that out on your own, that there's no other name by which you can receive forgiveness except the unique Son of God. It's not intuitive. You would never arrive at a religious system that freely gives salvation to anyone who believes in a person, God's Son. You just wouldn't come up with that. You'd never come to the conclusion that there's a good God who freely saves us through His grace and just lavishes love on people, whether they're good or bad, because he loves all people. It's all about faith and belief. You and I need to be told this incredible truth. And I'm telling you, when this incredible truth in human history intersects with the human heart, there is a dynamic and a stirring that you just can't explain. 
when this truth hits someone's soul. There's an inexplainable attraction and connection that happens because God has called every heart and soul to himself. And this incredible story of his son who died for you and died for me just lights us up. And I'm just telling you, if you're a believer, the reason we fish, the reason we can't stop talking about Jesus, the reason I encourage and challenge and beg and plead and try and cast vision for you to fish for people and to tell the story of Jesus because our faith is grounded in history and you don't know history unless someone talks about it and tells you about it. Not because people can't find God without us, but they'll never understand or know the message of Jesus Christ without someone telling them. Romans 10, 13, the apostle Paul writes, he wrote most of the New Testament. He said, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? How can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless somebody, what? tells them? How can they hear about them unless somebody tells them about Jesus? Which gets me to one of the most important parts of this message about why you and I, if you're a follower of Jesus, must fish. But before I give that to you, I'm going to hold the suspense there. Um, We're going to receive our offering. Um, And so, uh, ushers, if you guys can come down, we're going to receive our offering. And let me just tell you about this moment. If you're new here, um, first couple times here, um, man, this, this moment is not for you. Only part of our service, not for you. Let the basket go by. We are grateful that you're here. This service is our gift to you. Um, for those of you that call Kensington home, this is where we give back to God from what he's blessed us with and just say thank you. Thank you for the resources you've given to me, and I'm going to obey, and I'm going to give back a little bit to you um, and trust you for future resources to do the same thing with. And so thank you for those of you that give online as well. But let me tell you the third reason that we need to talk about Jesus and we need to tell people about Jesus. It's if you are a follower, you are sent. If you're a follower, you are sent. And let me just explain this. Um, verse 14 ends with, and how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Verse 15, and how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. And I will just tell you this, the moment you said yes to Jesus, those of you that have have chosen to follow him, the moment you said yes to him, you became a part of a family of fishermen. Like you're a part of a fishing family of people that are sent into the world to tell the historical, non-intuitive, life-changing message of Jesus Christ. So you have a mission that God has given to you. That's why we talk about him. And I'll just tell you, we think it's so difficult, and you've got you've to put so many flowery things in, in talking to somebody about Jesus. I had a woman come visit me this week at our offices, and as we talked, it was very clear. She, she told me right up front, she's like, I'm not a Christian, um, because early on, she just said, I know there's something up there, and I know that that something is watching over me. And while we talked, she kept alluding to this thing, this being. She even said, whoever is up there, whatever is up there. She said a few more things that kind of helped me realize that she was where most people are at without Jesus. Um, she had applied her mind and gotten to where everybody else get, gets, that there's something up there that looks out for us and guides us. 
And she kept talking and just kind of saying things that were just kind of tips, tip-offs to me to going, man, I think she's really searching. She's just saying, I don't, I don't really know who I am. I don't know why I am here. You know, all the stuff you should never say to a pastor, okay? You just don't say that to a pastor because a pastor has an answer to all of that stuff, you know? And I'm just sitting there going, this is so easy. Like, wow, I get to actually share stuff with this, this woman who's just kind of pouring out her heart to me um, and just in this search for answers. And here's what was so cool. I had a moment to share with her this story. And I just asked, I said, can I tell you what sets Christianity and Jesus apart from all other world religions? And she just said, yes, please. Because I think sometimes we just forget that people want answers. It's a big question mark out there of what happens when we die. And, and is there a God? And does he love me? And I got my ideas, but I'm not sure about them. And so she's just like, yes, please tell me. And I was just, I was just able to say, um, Say, I, I gave her this message, believe it or not. I'm like, I'm like, funny that I've got this like locked and loaded for Sunday, and here I get to tell her about it. And I just said, let me tell you what sets Christianity apart. It's about an event that happens in history. And it's not intuitive, but Jesus loves you and died for your sins, and this is what he said, and this is how he lived. And I will just tell you um, that, that it was fantastic to be able to just tell her that. And it's like I didn't wrestle her to the ground and go, okay, so what do you think? What do you think? You're going to want to accept him right now? It's like I think sometimes we feel like that's what you got to do or you failed, um, you know? And so it's like I just said, would you think about this? Would you process this? Because this is different. This, is, this separates Christianity from every other religious system, and I think you'll find it to be true because she's just a processor as we were talking. And she said, yes, I will. And I think, you know, sometimes we feel like we got to close the deal. And let me just, let me just let you off the hook. If you're a follower of Jesus, I mean, I don't know if I can do that. You know what our job is? It's to plant seeds. It's to plant seeds. It's to just plant truth. It's to just, have you ever thought about this? Can I tell you about this thing that happened in history? It's what we celebrate at Easter and, and uh, we, we celebrate at Christmas. It's the birth and Easter, the death. Like, you know enough to say this is an event. And, and that's planting a seed. Whose job is it to grow? Grow it. It's God's, right? It's not our job to force people and wrestle them down and make them agree with us and force them to accept Jesus because that doesn't work, never works. But our job is to just plant seeds. It's God's job to grow them. And I'll just tell you, it's not always like that. Sometimes uh, you just have to listen for those moments where somebody brings up something. You're like, hey, can I talk to you about that? Um, there's a boldness that you need, and you don't always say the same stuff. Sometimes it's answering questions. Sometimes it's, 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 it's uh, you know, just listening to their story and what they believe and saying, well, this is what I believe. Um, all you have to do is tell the story that you know. Open your mouth like Peter, and I believe the Holy Spirit will fill your mouth with what needs to be said. And so I'll tell you this, when we finished, we did not um, pray in my office and sing Kumbaya, and she's now saved. That did not happen. But she did take it in and said, you know what? I'm going to process that. I'm going to think through that. So this series, in part, is a reminder to Christians about why we must be followers who fish. Why? Because Christianity is based on an event in history, not a belief system. It's not an intuitive message that people are going to come to on their own. They need to be told. And if you're wondering who is to tell them, you need to realize you're sent. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are sent into the world to tell the story, which gets me to talking, about, uh, talking to those of you who have maybe not yet crossed the line of faith. Because the story of Jesus is unlike any other religious story. It has a history unlike any other religion on the planet. For some of you, I'll just tell you, for some of you today, while I was talking, it was like blinders fell off of your eyes, wasn't it? It was like maybe for the first time in your life, you actually saw the difference. You actually saw the truth. 
And for the first time, it's actually clear. And I'll just tell you this. If that's what just happened to you, it has nothing to do with the speaker. It really doesn't. It has everything to do with Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Because God wants you to know him. God wants you to know Jesus. God wants you to see the truth, and he wants you to see it clear. And I will just tell you, if that's you, and you're just going, I see it for the first time, that's the Holy Spirit working um, on your heart, and I can't explain it, but that's what happened when this happens when this story connects with the human heart. And if that's you, and today you are ready to accept Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to do so right now, to make Jesus your personal Savior. Today you can step across the line of faith. There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Romans 10.9, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I'll just tell you the way that happens is you don't earn it. You don't come to church four weeks in a row and you get it. Um, you, it's all about faith. It's about trust. It's trusting in what Jesus Christ has done on your behalf so that when God someday looks at you and says, why should I save you? Why should I allow you into heaven? You can just say, it has nothing to do with me. And it has everything to do with Jesus and what he's done for me. Because I believe when he died, he died for me, and I receive his gift of forgiveness. And the Bible says that when you believe, you receive the gift of salvation like that, and there's a new connection between you and your heavenly Father. And so I want to give you an opportunity to do that if today's your day, and today's your day to step across the line of faith. So um, would you guys all in the room just bow your head, close your eyes with me? And I'll just speak to you if you're ready to accept Jesus Christ. Um, I just want to invite you to pray uh, with me, and you can make my words yours. There's nothing magical about the words. It's just really the posture of your heart. But this is kind of how you step across the line of faith, and you can say this between you and God from your heart to his. You don't need to say it out loud, but you can say something like, Dear Heavenly Father, today I'm ready to believe in what you did for me by sending your son Jesus into the world to die for my sins. Today, I surrender my life to you. I ask right now for forgiveness. And I invite Jesus into my heart. And as much as I understand it, help me to live differently from now on. Show me how to live my life for you and even fish for people. Give me a new strength, a new attitude, a new vision for my life. And thank you for knowing me and loving me. In your holy name, amen.